participating locations. Exclusions apply. May not be combined with other offers. Offer ends 731-21. Hey, this is Rosie Harvey, your local online marketing consultant from Town Square Interactive. Do you own a small business and want to have more results with your website? Or maybe you just need a website. You're good at what you do. You don't have to be good at digital marketing, too. Leave that to me in Town Square Interactive, and we'll make sure your business has the online presence it deserves. With month-to-month contracts, personalized marketing packages, single points of contact, you don't have any 800 numbers to deal with or automated answering systems when you choose Town Square Interactive for your digital marketing campaign. If you don't have time to advertise your business by yourself, rely on us at Town Square Interactive to make sure your ideal customers can find you online. We'll even take the guesswork out of determining the ROI by sending you monthly reports and giving you a live dashboard login. Town Square Interactive will give your business the visibility it deserves. Call me, Rosie Harvey, at 287-0240 to learn more about how I can help you market your small business. Again, that's 287-0240. Or you can look me up online at townsquareinteractive.com forward slash Cheyenne. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Well, I saved my pennies and I saved my dimes. the motor guy back here on am 650 kgab we are here at the cubby hole live on location uh thanks to matt in the studio thanks to greg dobbin who has helped us out made sure that we are somewhat organized i mean and organizing me is always a challenge anyway as anybody who knows me uh well it is what it is but the cubby hole personal garage rv classic car condos you have your choice of 14 by 25 14 by 50 pull through now that's a big deal guys if you've got a trailer you can own this facility to keep your trailer safe keep it in it keep it in an insulated building during the winter keep it out of the hail year round and you can pull it in and pull it out um 16 to 18 foot ceilings 12 by 14 insulated garage doors full electrical throughout them and you've also got the 
had a benefit of 220 power. And Gay Wilson is with me. Uh, Craig is out running around looking important. And Randy Poppet has just run away from us. So it's just you and me, Nick. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just us two. <laughs> we got the whole mic store side. And we've only got about seven minutes left of the show. Gosh, already. Um, so I thank you for having me out here. Oh, I mean, this has been so great. We want to thank you for being willing to come out here and do on-site with us and promote our business because I don't think we get any, get anybody better Well, having you promote it. <laughs> so we appreciate it. Thank but, you. But, you know, it, it's always easy to promote something when you see somebody who's done it right. Well, um, we appreciate that. Thank I mean, you. It really is. From the moment you come pull through that gate, or actually, quite honestly, just pull up to the concrete apron. Here we are in an incredibly clean, incredibly organized facility. And then you hang a left into this gorgeous clubhouse and you go, hang on a second, I am so... <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> well, but it makes sense. It does. When you, once you, you know, a lot of people said, why would you put a clubhouse with storage units or, you know, that you own? Um, but it's because it gives you a place to, if you're working on your car, you can come in here, grab a pop out of the fridge, watch a little baseball, yeah. take a break. You know, there's two ADA bathrooms and it just, it's, when I, I, my mom had passed away, I had two storage units that I was renting. And every time I had to use the bathroom or need a drink, I had to go close my unit. If I had stuff working on it, I had to put it away, go up to the gas station, come back, and it was extremely inconvenient. And so here, you can work on your stuff all day long. You can come eat if you want to, heat up your lunch. You yep. know, there's a warming kitchen in it, and you can just stay out here and enjoy it or have your family out for a barbecue that night and barbecue some hamburgers up. It, it really is fantastic. Um, I and, and quite honestly, folks, if you want something here, uh, get down here. Because you've already, you, you've been third. over, you have just, I mean, literally just finished this place. Yeah, literally and just And we fits. are already yeah. one third taken. Yes, we're already one third so, sold out. Um, of the pull-through units, you've only got two left. Yep, we've got two left of those. Uh, quite honestly, that, that, those attract me tremendously. Yeah, they um, are nice. They are just great. And then of the bigger units, I mean, you there's not going to be much opportunity here, folks. So come down, take a look. Again, Del Range, Haunted Road, the Cubby Hole. Come and see Gay. Come and see Craig. They have huge passion for this. If you could see the passion that's gone into just the clubhouse, let alone these storage units. And I, I am... Yeah, they're not a storage unit. They are a condo. They really I are. I, we, I, we've got to get away from that. And I, I'm sorry, I'm guilty of it. Garage but these condo, are so, storage condo. They're yeah. so much better than what, what, what the thought of a storage, anything to do with storage. This is not storage. This is a facility that allows you to do absolutely anything you could possibly want with it. It's kind of like a little mini house, actually. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the well, best part. an idea. So when Brooke finally kicks me out, I have somewhere to go. Oh man, I hate to tell you, but you can't live in a Skins County code. <laughs> you got to catch me first. Yeah. <laughs> true. That is true. That is true. But the thing I like about it. So I wouldn't be living here. I would just be cuddling my car. Yeah, that is not the same. It's so, not the yeah, same. It's no. not the same as No, living. my car felt lonely at 3 in the morning. I had to come down and check that's on right. it. And that's the beauty of it because you can get in here, you know, 24 7, 7. 365. And that was a setup for you, that wasn't it? <laughs> that was a soft toss. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Softball. <laughs> Excellent. 
Uh, again, you're going to be here till 2 o'clock for yep, the open house. We have our house. open house from 11 to 2, so please come on out so we can give you a tour. We love sharing our passion. And I would love to, I, I, I want to continue helping you guys anyway with this. I'd love to have you back on the show, even if I can't always come out here, you can call and tell us how you're doing. Um, I'd you. love to follow up with that because I, I really don't think you're going to have these for long. I, 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 Cheyenne, a town square media station. Facebook is fighting back. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. The social media giant has taken issue with a comment by President Biden that Facebook and other big tech companies are killing people with misinformation on the COVID-19 pandemic. Facebook issued a number of statements, including one that accused the White House of looking for scapegoats for missing their vaccine goals. Conservatives have a different take. They're concerned about free speech. The White House says misinformation about the COVID-19 vaccine is spreading far and wide online, so it says it's working with those social media companies to flag controversial posts. But critics say this move reeks of government censorship. The debate comes as President Biden faces growing pressure to get the pandemic under control. New cases there skyrocketing in some states, especially where vaccinations are lagging. Facebook, they said, we will not be distracted by accusations which aren't supported by the facts. The fact is that more than 2 billion people have viewed authoritative information about the vaccine on Facebook, which is more than any other place on the internet. Fox's Mark Meredith. The White House is also weighing in on a DACA ruling by a federal judge. The judge says the Obama-era program that protected hundreds of thousands of young immigrants from deportation is illegal. President Biden calls the ruling deeply disappointing. Despite searing heat, migrants are still arriving at our southern border. Halfway through 2021, we're already at 1.1 million migrants crossing the southwest land border. Uh, that We re clearly are on track to come near a record, if not setting an all-time record. Fox's Jonathan Seri. It's not a great day to be flying in and out of Portugal. A strike by airport workers has caused the cancellation of over 200 flights, according to local media. The walkouts were over wages. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey, this is Trey Gowdy, host of the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Every Tuesday, you'll hear what's on my mind. Plus, 
Every Thursday, there's a special bonus episode where we answer the questions that are on your mind. Make sure to spend your Tuesdays and Thursdays with Trey. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Hope to see you. America is listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, it's the Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Tapping into the massive reporting resources of Fox News to provide a full picture of the news of the day. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Jessica Tarlov. I'm Chris Wallace, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's been one year since the passing of Congressman John Lewis, the civil rights pioneer who worked to pass comprehensive voting rights legislation. In California, a new naval ship is being christened in his name, and later, Lewis will be honored at a candlelight vigil in Washington. Protesters gathered at the Cuban embassy in Washington today. They want President Biden to help the people of Cuba after days of anti-government protest. Demonstrators have also been rallying in the Miami area. The support for the Cuban people here is strong here in South Florida, particularly in Miami. And the time that we've been out in front of the iconic Versailles restaurant, we've seen folks driving down with Cuban flags blasted on their cars and honking their horn in support of freedom for the people of Cuba. And those protests will continue. Fox says Charles Watson, President Biden has said the U.S. is considering ways to restore Internet service in Cuba. Despite layers of pandemic protocols, the coronavirus has found its way into the Olympic Village in Tokyo. The games get underway in less than a week on July 23rd, and already one person has tested positive for COVID-19 inside the Olympic Village. Officials say it is not an athlete. The positive test was reported on Friday. Due to confidentiality, details are limited. The person is identified as games-concerned personnel and listed as a non-resident of Japan. Officials confirm that person now is in a 14-day quarantine. The Olympic Village on Tokyo Bay will house about 11,000 athletes and thousands of staff during the Games. Ann Carrick, Fox News. Britain's health minister is self-isolating after testing positive for the virus and experiencing mild symptoms. The secretary, who is fully vaccinated, took over last month. His predecessor was forced to resign after breaking social... Fox News. This weather update brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Your Saturday forecast will feature sunshine with a few clouds this afternoon. Slight chance for afternoon and early evening thunder. Highs upper 80s, low 90s with lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Most areas dry for Sunday. Temps again upper 80s, low 90s. Any showers or storms should be confined to the foothills and mountain areas. Then dry Monday and Tuesday. Highs again in the lower 90s. I day weather meteorologist Don Watzel. Today, Today we, we decided decide to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 41, 31, I mean 13. We, we took a left on Carroll cool Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I, I hope, hope I he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council.
AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Mike Smith, and I also have uh, Chad Matthews with uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Doug. Good morning. Okay, of course, Cheyenne Frontier Days is uh, coming up. Actually, well, the uh, the unofficial start sort of tomorrow. It officially starts on uh, Friday the 23rd. Um, jumping right into it here, I understand, first of all, there are some changes in policies as to what you can bring into Frontier Park. Is that right? Yeah, Doug, this is uh, Mike Smith. Uh, I'm chairman of the Public Relations Committee, and thanks thanks for having us. I'd just take the first stab at that and right off the bat tell folks that the easiest way to get your questions answered is to go to cfdrodeo.com. We've got uh, various information and FAQs on that site. You can always call the ticket office directly as well if you have questions. But um, really, a lot of the changes you're going to see are driven uh, in, in by two things, COVID concerns and the new world that brings, and, and then security environments around, around the country and uh, have come to our event as well. So we're, we'll be doing things like a clear bag policy, asking folks to limit the bags they bring, and when they do have to bring one, that it be clear and, and under uh, certain size limits uh, with some exceptions as well. And so um, that's kind of the biggest thing as far as what you're allowed to bring on the park or not. Pretty much everything else other than that clear bag policy would remain the same. Okay, and uh, as far as the event itself, do we have any safeguards in regard to COVID-19 in effect this year? Well, lots of stuff going on, but nothing shocking or, or different from what all of us, unfortunately, are used to seeing around the community when we head to stores or restaurants. You know, the first thing is if you're, if you're not feeling well, don't come. Um, and then once you're here, you'll see a lot more uh, sanitizing stations for individuals, and you'll see our, our folks out here working, cleaning areas a, a lot more frequently than you're used to. We talked about the clear bag that limits hand-to-hand hand, um, contact between our staff and customers, and then um, we've instituted the digital ticketing to also um, take that approach. So. The, those are those are the big things uh, that you'll notice. Just the you know, like I said, stuff we're used to seeing uh, pretty much everywhere we're going nowadays. So, does the digital uh, ticketing mean there will be no paper tickets at all, or how does that work? You know, again, uh, I encourage folks if they have a question about that to call the ticket office directly. Uh, there are opportunities. We understand some of our customers are still working on flip phones, if phones at all. <laughs> So, um, you know, for those folks that are technology uh, challenged, so to speak, then, um, you know, there'll be some options uh, at the ticket office in person and, and give them a call. But no kind of mask mandate is in effect or anything like that? No, no, no mask mandates in the county or the state of Wyoming and none out here on the park. I will say, you know... Um, uh, use some common sense out here. We're trusting the individuals to just kind of take care of themselves and each other. And we'll have masks available if that's something you're looking for. If you're going to be inside, most of our venues outside, we're blessed with that. But if you're going to end up inside for an extended amount of time, maybe think about putting a mask on in that situation. Uh, but beyond that, we're 100% go, and, and it'll look really normal out here. It'll be the same fun, well, I wouldn't say same, I guess, New and improved San Frontier Days. What did uh, what did having a year off uh, do in terms of the event? Did it, did it, did we learn anything from a year off? Are we back big, bigger and better than ever? What do you think about that? 
Well, you know, I'd get, go, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, Chad's the, the one that's been a chairman out here before COVID. He'd, have, he'd, he'd probably have a good answer. Chad? You know, you know, Doug, yeah, there's taking a year off. Uh, I think we certainly learned to appreciate what we have and, and certainly appreciate the ability to put the show back on again. And you're going to see that in the number of people that come out here are all indications are that we're going to be well, it's going to be a lot bigger crowd you know mike said it'll look pretty much the same and and it's going to look a lot more crowded than it used to that's for sure and i, I think we've all learned to appreciate and then take into account the fact that we have to be the, the world changes around us and we have to change with it and make ourselves uh safe uh, provide a safe environment for everybody to be here now, as far as the uh, as far as the offsite events, the parade, the pancake breakfast, uh, the, the 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 Thunderbirds, those are all happening as usual, correct? Yes, that, yep, uh, they're they're going to be just the same times and time frames as they always have been. The parades are Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. The Thunderbirds Wednesday, and the pancake breakfast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, uh, uh, I think it was Mike you mentioned a few minutes ago. You expect some big crowds this year. What are the indicators on that? Well, uh, yeah, huge crowds. Um, compared to 19, I think Chad's Rodeo is up uh, over 70%, and our sure. concerts are, and night shows are up um, nearly 50% over 19 numbers, and 19 was a great year. So all indications are, and, and not just from our ticket sales, but from events we're talking to around the country, everybody's ready to get going and to get back to normal and and to have some fun and to see each other and gather again and that's that's surely uh, um you know proven through in our numbers as far as volunteers are you going to have the normal number of volunteers on hand did some people choose to sit out this year because they're concerned or what's going on with that yeah you know that that varies committee to committee and individual to individual and and uh, from from what I've seen around the public relations committee, I haven't seen any real indication of that. We have a couple folks that have some health issues that need to be a little more careful than everybody else, and and they're doing so. But for the most part, we've had a lot of interest, um, a good group of new volunteers around the park, and you know I know some of the community um, restaurants and others are struggling with employees, and and I know um, you know we're looking for some some hawkers in the stands and that kind of thing, um, uh, maybe not having the response in those areas as normal, but on the volunteer side, things look great. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Mike Smith and Chad Matthews with Cheyenne Frontier Days. We're talking CFD 2021, obviously. And uh, something I was wondering about, I've heard some comments around town that people are seeing some increased traffic already. Is, is are, are there people for Cheyenne Frontier Days who are in town already or not? Oh, I think there are. You know, there's uh, certainly the, the people setting up the carnival, or there's some more people out here for that, and, and some of our volunteer force is starting to show up a little early and get started. We've got some that I, I can't speak for Mike, but I have people that come from Minnesota, Iowa, California to come out and volunteer. So I think, you know, if they're starting to show up early, there are the, the vendors underneath the stands that people are used to seeing in the exhibition hall and stuff like that. They're starting to work their way in. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's just like when Christmas comes around and then traffic starts to increase in early December, it happens around Frontier Days starting kind of a week or two before the event. So, yeah, people are moving in, and I, I, we're excited to have them. 
Well, that's certainly good news for a business community who I'm sure could use the boost. As someone alluded to, there is a bit of a problem with some businesses finding employees, but it sounds like there will be plenty of business uh, for our local businesses based on all indicators. Uh, speaking of the tickets, you mentioned that uh, I believe the rodeo sales tickets were up. Did you say 70%? Night, night shows 50%? Do I have those right? Yes. Yep. Uh, rodeo's up 75% at last count, but that changes day to day. But, yep, those numbers are, are accurate. Does that mean that there are no tickets available, or can people still get tickets? At least on the rodeo side, there are tickets available for sure. You know, those are just numbers that are increased over year-to-date sales of 2019. There are certainly tickets available, but they are a very popular ticket right now. So I encourage everybody to call the uh, the ticket office and, and get their tickets. If they want to come out and see us, we'd love to have them. And I believe Garth Brooks sold out almost immediately, if I'm not mistaken. So you might not be able to get, get your hands on it. Or am I wrong about that? No, no, he sold out almost immediately, yeah. So he, Blake Shelton, I think, is listed as a sellout as well. And and the night show tickets are they're as popular as rodeo tickets, if not more. Guys, I know that people who are with Cheyenne Frontier Days know this, but the general public may not. There, there's a long process that goes into planning an event uh, like, like uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days every year. Tell us a little bit about the background work, because this doesn't just happen overnight. Well, it, 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 you're right. It doesn't happen overnight, and usually we start planning uh, for next year's show right after we we kind of clean up and wrap up um, uh, the current year's show. Uh, this year, like everybody else, COVID threw a wrench in everybody's plans, and and we didn't know till April for sure we'd get to have a show. Uh, it took a lot of work with the governor's office, uh, the state and county health officials, and and folks we hired on the side to advise us on that. So, you know, until we had a plan together and we're ready to go, we didn't we didn't really know for sure we'd be going. So it's been you know a, a mad dash this year as compared to others where we've kind of spread out that planning. Uh, over a lot of time we do i would say it being the 125th show this year we did have the advantage of we've been looking ahead to this one for three or four years and really i'm thinking about some of the special things like like getting garth brooks here that um that gave us a little bit of you know of an advantage but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and a lot of activity around here in a short time uh, Chad, as the rodeo chairman, something I was I was wondering about, and I don't know if you have the final numbers on this, but are, are most of the competitors uh, showing up, or are there some competitors sitting this year out? Uh, you, the, 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 most of them are showing up. We got the contestant list for, for this year's rodeo about three weeks ago that we could look through and see who all was coming. And uh, just like our ticket sales being up, all of our entries were way up. They more people entered than we could accommodate in most all of the events uh and and all the big names are coming in you're going to recognize somebody in every event that's here and and i know you know the question's kind of alluding to what happened to us last time we got together with some of the, the competitors not being happy with what we were doing and not coming back and we that seems to have washed itself out we have most all of the big names that people are going to recognize coming in so we're going to have close to 1500 com- contestants here in the arena and it should be a lot of fun to watch. Did you make any uh, changes in how the uh, how the, how it's paid out and that sort of thing? Uh, you know, there's some changes to how it's paid out. Most of that is being driven by the when we talk with the event reps at the PRCA, they they help us set up how they would like to see us run the rodeo. But it's not that they get to decide everything, but we talk to them and, and listen to what their concerns are and 
and try to set it up to help accommodate them to get up and down the road as best they can. And, and some of the events pay a little different than other ones based on how those event reps wanted to see it done. Chad, how does somebody become a professional rodeo cowboy? What, what's that career path? How does that work? You know, most of them start, you, you'll hear a few stories that vary from this, but most of them start as kids in grade school riding horses, find something that they like to do, rope or ride or something, and they just work their way up and keep practicing and practicing. You see a very few people that start in their 20s or, or later and, and have some success, but the overall, most of them just start as a young age riding horses and chasing cows and, and keep working at it as they, as they grow older, and by the time they're in their 20s, they've been doing it for 10 years and have quite a little experience. You know, there's a lot of, they go to high school rodeos, even younger than that, junior high rodeos, college rodeos, and then work their way into the PRCA. Are most of these kids then farm and ranch kids, or do you ever get any city kids who are competitors? There's certainly city kids. You know, there was a world champion bull rider, Bobby Delvecchio, was from New York. So, you know, and I don't know that he was in the city or if he was in rural rural uh, New York, but they... They come from all over. Rodeo is a popular sport, whether you're in the city or the country or wherever. It's a, a fast-paced, high-energy, high-adrenaline sport, and people are drawn to it from all walks of life. Speaking of high-energy and high-adrenaline, I've got to tell you, I think you've got to be a little crazy to be a bull rider. What, what does it take to be a good bull rider? I, I cannot disagree with your assessment that it <laughs> takes a little bit of, of crazy in there, but it's... It, a lot of balance, a lot of try, and a lot of heart, and the ability to take a little bit of pain and get back up and keep going. Is it as dangerous as it looks? Absolutely, it is. There's a there's a two hundred or two thousand pound animal trying to throw you on the ground, and about half of the time they want to come visit with you after they're done doing that. So, it, yeah, it's ever bit as dangerous as it looks. Well, that that brings up, of course, the subject of the rodeo clowns, who, in addition to being entertainers, they have a real safety role. Uh, to play in terms of, of I, I guess, maybe particularly the bull riding. Where do you find rodeo clowns? What makes a good rodeo clown? You know, a good rodeo clown is somebody that is extremely athletic and extremely dedicated to their craft. There are the two clowns or the two bullfighters we have in our arena are have won the PRCA Bullfighter of the Year the last 12 years between the two of them. Dusty Tuckness and Cody Webster. Dusty's from Wyoming. And they, if you talk to them, they eat, breathe, and sleep bullfighting. They are in tremendous shape. They Their diet is impeccable. They just, it, it takes that kind of dedication and the willingness to put yourself in harm's way to keep somebody else safe so that they can get up and down the road. Do they wear any kind of special protective gear when they're out there? Yeah, I would say if you were watching them getting dressed, it would be not dissimilar to what hockey players wear. They've got their legs padded up. They've got shin guards on. Uh, they got rib pads on for sure, flak jackets. And some of them pad their arms. Some of them don't. But, yeah, they're they're pretty well padded, and it's the high-tech stuff that's got the, the, the hard outer shell with the padding inside. Well, and those guys really have to put their lives on the line, too. We talked about it being dangerous to be a bull rider, uh, but I think it takes a certain type of courage to go out there and, and purposely try to get that animal to go after you. Yep, it sure does. And that, 
that's the special part of what they do. They are willing to put know full well that they're putting their life in danger so that somebody else can get up and walk away. Let's and, you know, the, the one advantage they would have at that point is that at least they know that it's coming, whereas the bull rider, is, he's, he's not exactly sure when he's going to get fucked off. Is the old uh, myth about uh, bulls go after people wearing red, is that true or is that a myth? You know, I'm going to have to leave that up to everybody to find out by themselves. Okay. <laughs> it's up to you. You can take, you can put on some red and walk out into the neighbor's pasture and see if the bull comes to visit you or not. Where, where do you get the stock for these rodeos, speaking of the bulls? Because I know there are contractors who supply that. Yeah, we have one main stock contractor for our rough stock, Dave Smith Pro Rodeos. He is out of Texas. He provides the, he he facilitates bringing the stock in from uh, from various subcontractors for all the the bucking horses and the bulls we have three different timed event stock contractors bringing steers and calves in but the stock literally comes from all over the nation one stock contractor cannot put on this rodeo with just the stock that they have in their pen they have to they have to subcontract and go out and, and look for help and Stace does a fantastic job of that for us he brings in the best stock from all the other contractors in the nation. How has how rodeo stock raised? I mean, obviously, these are wild animals. You don't want uh, a saddle bronc out there that's, that's saddle broken, obviously. So how, how do they raise these animals? How does this happen? There, there is a program called the Born to Buck program. It's a breeding program for, for bucking horses, and there's, some, there's one for bulls, too, off the top of my head. I don't know what they call it, but they, they breed these animals. They find one that's a... That, bucks well and they 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 keep those bloodlines coming through and you know contrary to what you talked about about them you know they're wild they're not necessarily wild they get they're at home they go through the shoots they get treatments you know they get brushed occasionally they get their feet trimmed they get vaccinated so they're handled they're not they're, it's not like they're coming off the prairie wild and and they just love to do this that's why you see some of them when the when the buzzer goes off and the flank strap comes off they're just happy to walk out of the arena some of them i have seen at some rodeos where they can buck a horse and and get an 80 or 90 point ride on them and then take the flank stop strap off and ride them out of the arena so oh, really it's not that they're wild they're they're just this is what they enjoy doing this is their job and they like to come to work every day so they're actually trained animals then they're not just wild animals that you throw out there I, i'm not going to call them trained but there are some that you can ride after they buck for sure yeah now in terms of the competitors do we have any any wyoming uh, folks that, who are, are say headline competitors this year Oh, for sure. We've got, for one thing, the, the local talent from Cheyenne, Brody Cress, will be here. I've seen his name. Cole Reiner will be here. He's from uh, he's a bareback rider from, from up around Buffalo. The uh, current college national finals champion team ropers, Kellen Carson Johnson, will be here. We've got some more local talent. Uh, Zane Thompson will be here from Cheyenne. There's, you know, and that's just off the top of my head that I can remember reading through the list. There's, there's going to be a lot of Wyoming people here, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Now, in terms of the sport of rodeo, Cheyenne Frontier Days is a big deal. How do we fit into the overall scheme of the sport? Uh, you're right. It is a big deal. We are, <clears throat> we're the largest outdoor rodeo. We're the largest rodeo in the nation next to the National High School Finals, if you count the number of competitors national high school finals doesn't have the money up that we have but when we get into how much money is up for grabs at shine frontier days we're in the top 
five or ten of the nation for or of the the continent actually because they count Calgary. Uh, we we're you want to make it to the national finals? Winning Cheyenne is a really really good way to help yourself help assure yourself a, a ticket to the national finals. The big the Super Bowl rodeo in Las Vegas every December. Let's talk about the athletic part of it. Are, are rodeo are rodeo competitors are they athletes? Absolutely, they are. The, the The talent and everything it takes to do this requires athletic ability and hand-eye coordination, as well as you. Just anybody going on vacation, driving for ten days with the family, and stopping to stopping to look at the the sights along the way. Everybody knows how that takes it out of you. Now, you couple that with driving. For ten days straight, eight or ten hours a day, and then at the end of the day, getting on a bucking horse or chasing a steer, throwing a steer down, you have to be in tremendous shape to get up and down the road and do what these guys do. And with the hand-eye coordination and those types of skills that it takes, they are absolutely athletes and some of the best going, some of the best athletes in the world. I mean, there's there's secondary events that these people or secondary disciplines that they've all competed in. There's a lot of wrestling champions in the rough stock, and there's basketball players i mean it's just everybody's athletic that's doing this do they have to watch their diet and that sort of thing they do now you know they're i'm sure that back in the the early days of rodeo the the prototypical guy was everybody thought he was out out all night partying and doing something like that and you just can't afford to do that anymore because the guy beside you probably isn't and and he's going to take all your money if you're not careful now, how how do you choose the competitors for this for Cheyenne Frontier Days? Does does everybody just sign up and they go, or how does that work? Yep, they have to be they have to be a member of the PRCA, whether that be a full fledged member or a permit holder, which is somebody that hasn't won enough money to to buy their official card yet. There's several levels of that, and the PRCA handles our entries, and they they set a date that they can all just call in and enter and. We go from there. That's that's exactly right. Guys, I've been asking you questions for the last 20-some minutes. Is there anything you would like to tell our listeners about Cheyenne Frontier Days 2021 that we haven't discussed? Hey, D- hey Doug, I did want to mention, you, you kind of did at the outset, that what the unofficial kickoff is tomorrow in the morning with the cattle drive. Chad mentioned the, the contractor bringing steers, and, and some of them are here in town, and, and we'll be um, uh, doing that first thing in the morning tomorrow. So if folks want to uh, see a little bit of the Old West and, and a, a real cattle drive, uh, they'll start up north of town there around, uh, what is it, I-25 and Horse Creek, probably around 730, and work their way to Frontier Park down down that uh, service road there and, and hopefully get to the park around 9. And this is a long-time Cheyenne Frontier Days tradition, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and you know it's funny. We always joke uh, as Cheyenne grows, we're we're kind of running out of space to <laughs> to, to do this, uh, but uh, we've we've still got some space up north, and and it's a great tradition, and uh, the community really comes out for it, and and it, it is a, a great way to get excited and get everybody ready to roll. Guys, is there anything else you'd like to say about Cheyenne Frontier Days 2021 that we haven't discussed? You know, one more thing, Doug, too, with the unofficial kickoff tomorrow, then then Wednesday morning we're going to start competing out here at Frontier Park. There's qualifying rounds and the breakaway roping and the uh, the barrel race, and those are all free to the public, as well as each morning, Saturday through Thursday, once we get started with the rodeo, we're going to have qualifying rounds in the morning, 
starting at seven o'clock all those days as well that are all free to the public and we'd we'd love to see everybody come out and take advantage of that Okay, I'd like to thank my guest on this segment of Weekend in Wyoming. I've been speaking with uh, Chad Matthews and Mike Smith from uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days. Chad Matthews, the rodeo chair, and uh, Mike Smith, the PR chair. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. We appreciate the opportunity. Have a great weekend. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Coming up the other side of the news and information break, we'll be speaking with Wyoming Superintendent of Schools Jillian Balo about critical race theory uh, in education, what her views are on it, and we will be taking calls. And that's all coming up just ahead right here on AM 650 KGAB. Beautiful day outside today. If you get a chance, get out and enjoy it. Uh, Nice summertime type uh, July day. Of course, our summers here in Wyoming tend to be a little on the short side, so you have to enjoy them while they're here, and it looks like a great day to do that. Coming up here in about two and a half minutes, we'll be speaking with Wyoming Superintendent of Schools, Jillian and Balo, that's coming up just ahead. We will be taking calls. The topic will be critical race theory, and that's coming up here just ahead on Weekend in Wyoming. Coming up uh, later in the program, we'll hear from uh, Dominic Bravo, chair of Visit Cheyenne, about their tourism grand plan, and then we'll wrap it up with the master gardener, Mike Heath, this week talking about growing garlic. And uh, that's what's coming up on uh, this week's program, so do stay close. AFD, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Thank you for joining us. This weather update brought to you by Four Quarter Siding. No matter the weather, Four Quarter Siding can help protect your home. Your Saturday forecast will feature sunshine with a few clouds this afternoon. Slight chance for afternoon and early evening thunder. Highs upper 80s, low 90s with lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Most areas dry for Sunday. Temps again upper 80s, low 90s. Any showers or storms should be confined to the foothills and mountain areas. Then dry Monday and Tuesday. Highs again in the lower 90s. High day weather meteorologist on Watzel. Hi, I'm Ice T. As a veteran, I know that for many former servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home. Every day, 184 veterans are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, and sadly, 20 take their own lives. When nothing else helps, professionally trained service dogs can. American Humane, serving the U.S. military for over 100 years, rescues animals in need of forever homes and trains them to become free, life-saving service dogs for our nation's veterans. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mom. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, 
Exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. On the phone, I have Wyoming Superintendent of Schools, Jillian Baylow. Thanks for calling in, Jillian. I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Doug. And I'm going to apologize right at the outset. Um, I am struggling with some laryngitis. So I've got my water and my I gargled with salt water. So we'll hope we make it through. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Jillian, first of all, when we're talking about critical race theory, what is it? What are we talking about here? Oh, geez. Right out of the gate, I think that that's such an important question. Um, because, you know, I, I think that the very first thing that we need to establish if we're going to be talking about critical race theory is what it is. And um, the truth is that it depends on who you ask. So for today's purposes, let's call it an imperfect term that everyone is talking about. And I say that it's an imperfect term for that reason, that it depends who you ask. If you ask a, a, a critical race theorist, um, they will say that uh, critical race theory is a niche term for a legal analysis framework in law school or graduate school and that it's not being taught in schools. Uh, to most of us, it is the critical race theory or CRT is an umbrella term that includes teaching concepts in our classrooms that are both divisive and anti-American and have a lot of people uh, rightly worked up right now. Now, I, I have in front of me a statement you put out earlier this year in regard to uh, the U.S. Department of Education. They uh, were proposing uh, prioritizing critical race theory curriculum in grades uh, K through 12. You were a strong opponent of that. Um, f first of all, whatever happened with that, has that been decided or what's, what's the status on that? Yeah, so let's go back to um, that rule, and you know there were there was so much um, confusion about about that rule. Um, it's for a grant program. It's a pretty small grant program. It's been around for years, but when the Biden administration took over, they added or included some additional concepts under that uh, grant program, and also suggested that they would give priority to funding projects that included the works of Ibram X. Kendi, um, a, a critical race theory are, uh, author, as well as uh, the 1619 Project, which is a New York Times uh, curriculum that is, is steeped also in this, in this umbrella term of critical race theory. So my, my opposition um, obviously was, you know, uh, strong uh, for a couple of reasons, but um, one of them was was the fact that critical race theory was was injected into a federal law, or excuse me, a federal proposed rule. Uh, my other objection to it is that the the federal government should not be even suggesting curriculum for states. They certainly shouldn't be rewarding it. Uh, this is not a required. A grant program. It's not something we have to do. Um, in fact, a number of school districts across the state uh, immediately said we do not want to be part of that grant program no matter what. So right now um, that is under federal review. Uh, the federal government, just like in state government, could make some changes to the rules. I know that they received 
hundreds and hundreds of comments about um, the rules, including my my own comments as Wyoming State Superintendent, um, opposing uh, opposing that proposed rules for those reasons: government overreach and controversial and politically trendy theories being purported in America's classrooms. So it sounds like you're concerned about politics being injected into the classroom in layman's terms. Is that is that a fair statement? Well, I think that's part of it. You know, we see, um, of course, any time a, a Democratic administration takes over in the White House or, or in either House in Congress, we see more overreach or more attempts at overreach into state um, policy and, and our state practices. So that's always a concern that's there. Um, with this in particular, uh, you know, we're talking about social studies and student well-being and civics and American history. And, um, and that's not something that, that the federal government ought to be uh, involved in to this degree. Uh, there's certainly a discussion to be had about how we teach American history and civics in our classrooms. It's been marginalized for a number of years. Um, as you know, as, as far back as 20 plus years ago when No Child Left Behind came into being, we started really focusing on math and, and language arts. And um, social studies went by the wayside. The, according to the nation's report card, or NAEP it's called, uh, as much as 40% of the time that we used to spend teaching social studies has now turned to uh, be spent on teaching the other core subjects of math, science, reading, and writing. And those subjects are very important. I certainly don't want to minimize that. However, um, they've come at, a, at the expense of, of teaching, uh, thoroughly teaching civics and, and United States history to our students. And it's time to get that back on track. So there's certainly an amount of politics that, that goes into the classroom, both in teaching about civics education and also in establishing policy that prioritizes this education again. So it's there, um, but we don't want it to be critical race theory. Why is it important that students understand American history and civics? Well, you know, way back when, that's really one of the main purposes for establishing, uh, you know, the education system that, that evolved into what it is today. We want to, through our classrooms, through our schools, through the educational experience, make sure that our students are, are ready to be uh, citizens in their neighborhoods, in their communities, in our states, and in our nation. And um, when we're not teaching that, then, uh, you know, for a number of years, then, then what happens is, uh, you know, we, we, we have things like critical race theory that, that creep into our classrooms. Um, it's important that we teach students about, um, about the roots and, and our ideals as Americans, that we teach that thoroughly and objectively, and, um, and that, you know, we maintain some consensus around documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights and what that means to us as Americans. Um, that's not to say that we should water down American history or civics. I don't know that that's been intentionally done. I'll tell you, Doug, I've never met anyone who doesn't want our students to learn America and Wyoming's full history. It's just a matter of prioritizing and making sure that we're, we're able to teach that in a way that's consistent and accurate with our ideals as Americans. 
Okay, I'm speaking with Wyoming Superintendent of Schools, Jillian Bailo. We're talking about critical race theory. By the way, if you have any questions or comments, uh, we do have an open phone line at 632-3323. That's 632-3323. Jillian, as as I'm sure you're aware, something like 20 states have passed bills banning the teaching of critical race theory. Would you like to see that happen in Wyoming? You know, uh, Doug, that's a a great question and one that I've been talking with a number of legislators about. Um, There are a number of states that have banned critical race theory in one way or another. Um, Wyoming is not among those states yet. And the legislation in all of those states looks very, very different from Idaho to Arizona to New Hampshire, Tennessee. All of those look very different. I think if we go down that route, in Wyoming, we, we must be careful. We must be deliberative. Um, we must uh, uh, help help our school districts and our communities understand what's expected. And I think at the heart of that is transparency in what's being taught in our classrooms. Um, you know, with this sort of broad term, critical race theory, there are a lot of questions that are creeping up about, well, could I teach this? Could I not teach this? Is, am I banned from doing this? need to be really clear and careful as we go down that road uh, and, uh, and and I think that Wyoming definitely ought to have that conversation in, in the upcoming months and I know it's happening with some legislators already. I think another great idea would be to require our, um, our teachers and our school districts to publish their, their curriculum online, um, publish what, what books they're teaching from and uh, you know, I don't know that it needs to be day-to-day lessons, but almost a syllabus for these classes that are being taught so that so that parents know what's being taught. Um, I think it opens the line of communication and, and more transparency in government is, is best. And um, schools are, are a part of our government system. You know, for every state that has passed a rule banning or curtailing the teaching of critical race theory, we also have a number of states that are promoting it. California, Washington, Oregon, and Illinois have passed almost the opposite bills where they are promoting and in some cases requiring the teaching of critical race theory or concepts under critical race and cars to choose from. Visit KiaOfCheyenne.com today for a complete list of inventory. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late, we stay informed, we invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. 
Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack Hanna. Good Since morning. I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. So please join me and American Humane in supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Wyoming Superintendent of Schools, Jillian Balo. And uh, Jillian, as you alluded to there before the break, some t- some states are mandating the teaching of critical race theory. That includes some larger states, such as, for example, California. How can I phrase this? How concerned are you that uh, that mandate may mean that the theory creeps into textbooks in general without being labeled as such? Doug, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Now I can. Okay. Uh, did you hear my question or not? I did not. I'm sorry. We went blank for just a minute. Okay, let, let me, let me uh, repeat it. What I was asking was, with some of the larger states like California, who obviously buy a lot of school textbooks, Uh, mandating the teaching of critical race theory. Are you concerned that that's going to mean that the the critical race theory ideas are woven into textbooks without being labeled as such simply because they want to sell these books in the bigger states? Yeah, you know, I've been concerned about the curriculum for social studies, civics, and American history, and Wyoming history, frankly, for quite some time. And um, and it's really, uh, you know, up to this point been about that, prioritization or lack of prioritizing curriculum. I don't think there's a lot of high quality curriculum out there being used. Uh, That said, I think that high quality curriculum exists. I think that the heightened awareness that parents and um, and others have brought to the issue of critical race theory will um, lend themselves to creating better curriculum throughout throughout the nation. And I, I think we'll see a lot of tools that, uh, that come forth. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to define uh, what critical race theory looks like in the classroom, believe it or not. Uh, but when schools are making or are, are, are leaving curriculum choices up to individual teachers and not making those selections as locally elected school boards, then it makes it really tough for everyone. But a couple of look-fors that parents and others can think about are you know, curriculum, we, we hear about the 1619 project quite often. And curriculum like the 1619 project teaches students that the founding of America was in 1619, not 1776, and that it, you know, that America was founded when slaves first arrived. Then fast forward, the Declaration of Independence in the 1776 simply doubled down on white man's supremacy and the continuation of slavery in America. So that's that's one sort of theme that's taught under the CRT umbrella, and that's what parents and, and teachers and people who are selecting curriculum ought to look for. Uh, you know, was, was the country founded on, on racism and slavery, or was the country founded on, um, on independence and, and freedom and the promise of, of creating a more perfect union? Um, I'm obviously in the latter camp. Another theme under that critical race theory umbrella is called race essentialism. 
And you might hear terms like white privilege or racial justice or white whiteness, other terms. This theme has been made popular by authors like Ibram X. Kendi and Robin D'Angelo, and it really purports that people, including our children in schools, are products of our skin color, and that it's the most important characteristics characteristic that we as Americans have. Um, there's there's no arguing or, or winning this um, this particular line of reasoning reasoning uh, with these folks, and it's um, it's really antithetical to teaching the norms and the objective facts about America. So, Doug, in answer, I know that was a long answer to your question, but really. When we think about textbooks and curriculum, it ought to be pretty easy for us to identify whether that exists in a textbook. Um, you know, I, I think that there will be some some subtler or nuanced um, concerns that come up in the in the coming years. But uh, I really have faith that there are so many of us who are concerned about critical race theory being taught in our classroom that. Uh, we'll start looking at better examples of curriculum and if they don't exist we will develop those i believe we have a caller good morning caller you're on the air if you're still there good morning doug good morning you know i do have some concerns about the crt as it um being proposed but i think one of the things that parents need to be aware of and this happened to us when our son was going to a school down in colorado um, we were concerned about what kind of history was being taught to him, and this was back in the, the early 90s. And so he kept bringing home worksheets, never brought home a textbook. So my husband went down and asked to see the textbook. Um, they were very hesitant to give him the textbook to look at. He did. And... We talked to our son about it, and the textbook was never, ever used in class. It was all worksheets. And then the students were told, never let your parents see those worksheets. This was in the early 90s. So when it comes to the CRT being taught in our schools, it will be so subtle. It will sneak in so easy. And most of the book publishers are in California and Texas, the major book publishers. So the content becomes very suspicious especially if it comes out of california in my mind i'm not saying yeah. texas is perfect but you've got a more conservative state and perhaps the publishers are more conservative so i think we need to make very very sure what we use for our textbooks and if we're going to have the textbooks within the classroom or we're going to present material from the textbooks we need to present it accurately if those books are clear or clean of CRT, but we also as parents need to be very aware of what the kids are bringing home in the worksheets and in the case of online schooling, watch that too because it will get into that as well. Jillian, any comment on that? Yeah, well, I, I, the, the caller hit the nail on the head. Um, that's absolutely accurate. and. You know, I, I, again, I'm not sure that, that we're utilizing a lot of good curriculum for social studies in our classrooms. And I want to, you know, maybe just add to that, that um, we don't have a test. Students in Wyoming are not required to take a social studies test. Um, you might recall in 2017 and again in 2019, um, I strongly advocated with the legislature to pass a statute that would require our high school seniors 
to pass the U.S. citizenship before citizenship tests before they graduated. Um, That failed both years. Uh, I'll be trying again this next year. But, you know, there's an old adage that what gets measured matters. And, 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 you know, I I, I have to say, if if teachers don't have sort of a a goal, um, a, a test that they know their students have to pass, um, then it makes it really hard to figure out what, what's supposed to be taught each day. So I think that selecting good curriculum, and maybe in coming years that means um, curriculum that looks a little different for each state, and I'm not sure that that's a terrible thing because our state history and our state civics landscapes also have to be taught in the classroom. Um, but then on top of that, making sure that our students are assessed uh, at least at least once in elementary and once in secondary on the skills and the content that they're expected to master. And you won't hear me advocating for an assessment very often, but um, in this case, I will advocate for that. And also, I'll add that we've reduced the testing time of students significantly since I've been in office, and not that I want to build that back up or find a balance or or anything like that but this really matters our students should at least be able to prove that they can pass the u.s citizenship test caller did you have anything else to add to that no the only thing that i would add is that the hillsdale college has some very excellent classes online that are absolutely free to take to uh for the public and I would recommend that parents start getting into those classes. I know they're time-consuming. I've taken a few of them, and I wish I was able to continue doing so at this point in time. But parents need to educate themselves about what our history is, what the founding of this nation is, what those original documents mean, so that when they do see these things coming home with their students or their kids begin to talk about it at home, they can have an intelligent conversation with them about what actually happened. And I trust Hillsdale College to teach it accurately. They have some very good scholars that um, and presenters that do various topics on American history as well as some of the classical literature. And, uh, you know, there's a source out there available that's completely free. And if we as parents are not proactive and are reactive, our kids are done for, and so is this country. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, and um, I think that we will see a whole lot more resources cropping up in the coming months. Um, PragerU, P-R-A-G-E-R-U, um, also has a series of, of videos that are designed for kids, and they're short videos just like the kids like them, and um, I think that they're a, a nice, uh, you know, especially if kids are coming home with questions maybe that they have from school, um, they can watch videos about different topics and really learn a lot in a short amount of time. Um, you know, that said, I, I, I want to just go back to one other point that the caller made about curriculum and the availability that the, or I guess the access that the public should have to curriculum. All of that should be public. Um, that's decided upon in public meeting by your locally elected school board, or it should be anyway, that's the place for it. And, um, you know, I know right here in Laramie County several years ago, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Sandy Shaner who who led the charge to make sure that when the school district selects new curriculum, it is put on display for the public to examine prior to adoption by the school board. 
Um, we need to make sure that we're holding our, our school boards accountable to that. And I don't necessarily, uh, you know, purport that it's it's negligence on behalf of the, the school board or the members of the school board. Um, at least I hope it's not. I think it's that they have a whole lot of business to attend to. But this is really important that we're able to inspect curriculum that, um, you know, when we have questions about what our kids are learning or uh, being taught in the classroom, that we have answers to that. And, um, you know, that there's some accountability there for, for what's being taught in Cheyenne and, and Cheyenne's classrooms and across the state. We're almost out of time here this morning. Uh, Jillian, I did want to ask you if you know, is, is, uh, critical, is critical race theory being taught anywhere in Wyoming at this point? You know, uh, that's a great question, and I, I can't say that I've ever talked to anyone who says, hey, crit I'm teaching critical race theory, or our school district is teaching critical race theory. I'll tell you what, Doug, Doug it's, it's awfully easy. Um, you know, if, if you're especially a, a, a busy and beginning teacher and you have a, a, a lesson that you need to teach on, um, pick a topic, American exceptionalism, whatever, to look on Google if you don't have a textbook for it and find something that, that may not suit, you know, the, the, the litmus test of, of not teaching critical race theory. And we have to be really careful of that, and teachers need to be careful of that. But I don't know specific examples where CRT is being taught in whole in our schools. Okay, unfortunately, we're about out of time. I have other callers trying to get in here. I, I, I don't want to force you to go through another half hour with your voice on the mend, but uh, <laughs> we, we sure do appreciate you calling in, and maybe this is something we can discuss again in the future. Hey, Doug, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to visit with uh, Cheyenne and Wyoming folks about it, and I'd, I'd be happy to come back on some other time. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. AM 650 KGAB. We do have other callers trying to get in. Um, unfortunately, that will do it for this segment, but we'll be back with more in the Calls for freedom grow louder. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Protesters today outside the Cuban embassy in Washington, D.C., demanding freedom for the Cuban people. This as protests continue in Cuba against the communist regime. Many want something to be done by the Biden administration, which has warned the Cuban people to not try to flee to the U.S. That has many Republicans accusing the White House of a double standard in comparison to what's happening at the southern border. Republican Montana Senator Steve Daines of Fox's Cavuto Live. About 80 percent of our felonies and violent crimes are tied to drugs. Those drugs are coming in from Mexico. So he is sending a contradicting message to the president. Wide open border on the south. He's telling the Cuban people, you're not allowed to come to the United States. Cuba's president today again blamed the unrest on the U.S. and its economic embargo on the country. The Biden administration says it will likely appeal a federal judge's decision in Texas that the DACA program is unconstitutional. The judge said the thousands already enrolled in the program, which is designed to protect immigrants who came to the U.S.'s children will not be affected until any further ruling. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo facing questioning today. Today in Albany, independent investigators will question Andrew Cuomo. At least nine women have come forward accusing the 63-year-old of sexual harassment or of inappropriate behavior. Claims including kissing without consent, making unwanted advances, or groping. The multiple investigations and scrutiny likely taking a toll on campaign fundraising efforts. 
Governor Andrew Cuomo has long said that he has done nothing wrong. He has, however, apologized if he made anyone uncomfortable, but he says that was never his intention. Fox's Alex Hogan. America is listening to Fox News. inviting you to download and listen to the new daily Fox on Tech podcast. There's part of a colorful late 90s iMac on Mars. It's an idea that seems a lot like Kickstarter called Build It. This isn't the first time we've heard about North Korea hackers trying to get a leg up on COVID-19, a range that was used for satellite TV service in the 70s. Get the latest trends in technology, cybersecurity alerts, and gadget news daily. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. Arizona County election officials say they found fewer than 200 cases of potential voter fraud out of more than 3 million ballots cast in last year's presidential election. An Associated Press investigation found that only 182 cases were problems big enough to be referred to investigators. A California teenager has been arrested for allegedly killing his mother and seriously injuring his father on Friday. Fox's Chris DeMeo reports. Police in Fremont say the 14-year-old state stabbed his mother to death. First responders also found his father suffering from multiple stab wounds. He's in serious but stable condition. Police say the boy was found about a mile away during a half-hour search of the neighborhood. Detectives are still trying to find a motive. His name hasn't been released because he's a minor. Chris DeMeo, Fox News. More American diplomats have been sickened with mysterious health issues. Some call them unexplained health incidents. Others call it Havana syndrome. Mysterious health ailments reported by American diplomats and other government employees. It's happened in Cuba, China, Russia. Now it's been reported in Vienna, Austria. U.S. employees say they've been suffering from mysterious symptoms in the Austrian city since President Biden was inaugurated. They've been overcome by headaches and dizziness. Some believe the unexplained injuries may be the result of attacks with microwave or radio wave weapons. Medical teams from the Pentagon and CIA are looking into it. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. Rescue workers are trying to clear up damage from receding water in Western Europe after disastrous flooding, which is blamed for at least 150 deaths. More than half of those were in Western Germany's Arweiler County, where more casualties are feared. The flooding followed days of heavy rain that turns... I'm Joe Pierre, Fox News. This weather update brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Your Saturday forecast will feature sunshine with a few clouds this afternoon. Slight chance for afternoon and early evening thunder. Highs upper 80s, low 90s with lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Most areas dry for Sunday. Temps again upper 80s, low 90s. Any showers or storms should be confined to the foothills and mountain areas. Then dry Monday and Tuesday. Highs again in the lower 90s. I day weather meteorologist Don Watzel. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. Hey, it's Napoleon. Oui. Check out the future. 
hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome once again to Weekend in Wyoming. My guest on this segment is Dominic Bravo, CEO of Visit Cheyenne. Did I get that right? You sure did. Thanks for having me. Now, Dominic, you folks recently released your tourism master plan. What is it and how did this come about? Yeah, so although our community did really well during COVID, uh, again, just a testament to uh, a lot of the businesses here and, and folks coming to still visit us, we thought it was really key to kind of get some plans in action. Uh, we did it a little differently than most people since there's tons of plans that have been done by the county and the city and the four economic groups have done business plans. So actually what we did is rather than do the normal process of sticking those sticky notes on the board, we actually took the 35 or actually 36 plans that exist now. Uh -huh. They've been vetted, public comment, everything. We did this literature review and we came up with six kind of pillars of action or strategies uh, for, you know, what have you. Um, and so this is pretty detailed then. Very detailed. Uh, so, and it also didn't reinvent the wheel because people have already said, here's what we want to work on from assets and, and development to events and programming. So. I think uh, let, let's jump right into it. What are the six pillars? Yeah, so uh, they, we actually reduced them to five just to be a little bit more uh, strategic. Um, the big one is events and programming uh, for the community. Second is the downtown, and that was really a focus of a lot of things, uh, outdoor recreation and events. Um, and then for the life of me, I can't remember four, although I know it's really important. Uh, and then five, um, actually combined five and six into more of like internal featuring things. So implementing the master plan, working with the other four economic groups, uh, just to actually accomplish all the things in the plan. So I think that's, that's kind of the critical pieces going forward. Um, what are the other four economic groups? So the other four economic groups uh, specifically are the Greater Chamber of Commerce, uh, Leeds, uh, the DDA, and Visit Cheyenne. And, of course, as a lot of folks know, and we chatted about briefly, DDA and Visit Cheyenne have now merged. Yeah, as of July 1st, we've merged uh, just because it was the, the timing was right, uh, making sense for a fiscal year. And with folks stepping down out of their positions, we thought it'd be a good time to at least experiment and, and see what we could do together. And I think we may revisit that topic here later in the interview if we have time. But but going through the pillars, tell us about the first one. So the, so the first one is really, we, you know, we have some amazing events that go on already. Uh, you know, Celtic Festival and Oktoberfest. Uh, our music venues right before COVID hit were really coming into their own. The Lincoln uh, in the, you know, the Chinook at Terry Bison Ranch. Uh, and obviously even the Civic Center here. A lot of the local bars and, and distilleries and everything have music playing all the time. Um, so we definitely wanted to figure out how we supported that. But on top of that, it was being able to, you know, create the Helen Wills Rodeo, uh, support Cheyenne Frontier Days, uh, just all those different things that we could pull off. Uh, and probably the biggest one was Old West Holiday that we were able to do last uh, winter season was just a way during the, the COVID situation and also when we're not that busy to have folks come visit us and experience our community. And I would assume that's coming back this year, even though the pandemic's over. Uh, definitely bigger and better than it was last time. Now, you mentioned CFD. Doesn't CFD sort of have their own promotional effort or how does that work? Yeah. So definitely they have a large marketing arm and they're very successful, but it, but if we weren't involved in, in some way for our biggest event, our biggest signature event, um, I don't think we'd be as successful as we could be. And, and tell us about the other events and what you're doing to promote them. 
So all the other events, um, for instance, uh, I remember June, one of the first big one weekends we had. Um, Burns Day was going on. We had summer in the streets here in the downtown. It was also the Celtic Festival. So we literally had like six different things going on. And then on top of that, layered within it were all the different concerts, which was just amazing. If you couldn't find something to do, you know, weekends in June what was shocking. And here into July, same thing. We've had, you know, conferences and events and meetings and music. I mean, it was just, it's been so amazing. And even this weekend, we have paint slingers going on. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the, you know, beautiful murals going up, it's just pretty cool. Just awesome stuff. Yeah, one of my coworkers, in fact, took a photo of one of those murals. He's going to do a post on it on our website at kgab.com. So by the time this airs, I think people will be able to see that article. It was pretty cool. I was impressed. Yeah, they're pretty amazing what they're able to pull off to look realistic. And then the one they did during Summer in the Streets was the antelope on the back of the um, building over here off of 19th. All right, cool. right. Is the, is the Greek festival back this year? To my knowledge, yes. Um, trying to remember. That's usually in September, I, I think. It's in September. So how do you guys promote all these events? What do you do? I mean, do you buy advertising or do you encourage people to post about it on social media? What do you do? Well, everything. We have a pretty robust marketing plan and marketing campaign. As a matter of fact, uh, I think the paper gave us a thumbs up for last fall's campaign. So mm -hmm. we actually turned $60,000 into $3 million. So it was a 22 to 1 investment. So we we hit digital. We hit, obviously, radio is really critical. Uh, we hit uh, TV, um, digital radio. I mean, you name it, we, we probably have ads and, and advertisements in different places. And, of course, social media is critical, both the organic and the stuff that we pay for. Um, but we had, another interesting fact is we had a 0.97 conversion rate, which is unheard of in our... Okay, what's that mean to the layman? Yeah, so um, usually you have um, click-throughs that people talk about. So you go to a website, someone clicks through the website. Right. A conversion rate means that they actually went to our ad, came here physically, and spent money in our community. So it literally meant that we converted an ad to a person spending money here, which a 0.97 may not sound a lot, but it is pretty amazing for, for our or, or our industries. Well, when you think about how much time people spend on social media, I myself probably spend more time than I should. <laughs> um, and I visit a lot of websites uh, to get a reaction on 1% or almost 1%. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because you read a lot of stuff, and you just kind of, eh, whatever, you kind of glance at it, or, well, that's cool, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah, and they were spent on average $200, and this was during the pandemic, so it's pretty amazing. We were getting visitors here in our community spending money, you know, sales tax, lodging tax, all of that stuff. Somewhat of a hypothetical question, but uh, you might be able to give us a rough answer. How much of a boost can we expect by the return of tourism this summer compared to last year economically? Uh, I think it's going to kind of blow us away as to how much it is. I think, I hope that it's not a honeymoon phase where folks, you know, it's just that pent-up uh, need to get out um, for instance our june numbers lodging tax wise were pretty close to well actually they beat 19 they're close to some of the highest i think they're the second highest of all that we've ever had really um and july is slated to be even more than that so july will probably have the highest lodging tax we've ever brought in um, for folks visiting our community so and that'll equate to sales tax that'll equate to everything else um, so i think you'll see pretty big numbers and then I think a lot of visitation coming through. I know CFD alone, and, and this isn't just lodging tax, it's across the board, but the impact's been estimated, depending which report you uh, read, between 25 and 27 million a year. And we got nothing last year basically from that, so. Yeah, probably, and that's why I said so. And we had created Hell on Wheels Rodeo last year. We kept that in place. We had three series last year, we have seven this year. Uh, we actually have one this weekend, so we'll have uh, a, C or a Hell on Wheels added Archer going on. So yeah, so on top of 
things that came back, we continued with things we had going during the pandemic. So it should just be pretty, pretty, a pretty large visitation. One of the questions I had, and I think you've sort of answered it, would have been, did the pandemic help us because people are, are in a hurry to get out and about, or did it hurt us because people got out of the, the uh, travel mode? It sounds like it's more the first than the second. Yeah, I think it helped us. I mean, we I think we were strategic in our community during many of our events. Our, our COVID numbers were down. Um, there was one time, and I can't remember when it was, uh, numbers were slightly up, and we basically ratcheted back our digital uh, uh, advertising. But even mm -hmm. still, it seemed like ultimately, you know, businesses, you know, thrived as well as they could. Again, it's not perfect. And now, obviously, we're facing some working uh, working shortages with workforce and some other stuff, which I think will be interesting as, as busy as we're here in July. But let's talk about that. How much of an issue is that? Pretty substantial. I mean, I know uh, many managers, you know, even general managers at hotels that are working desks and cleaning rooms and uh, restaurants, they're doing the best they can with what they have. I mean, I really hope folks that recreate or, or, or go out to you know, restaurants realize that they are really short-staffed. Well, and give these people a break. They're working hard. Definitely. I, I know some of the uh, convenience stores in town have been closed overnight. Um, I know of at least one restaurant that's been closed on Monday and Tuesday. They just can't find people. No. Uh, and that seems to be an ongoing issue. Do we think that's going to correct itself at some point, or what do we think about that? Yeah, really hopeful. I mean, I thought a lot of it is trying to recruit back, you know, folks that lost jobs. Some of them found them in other areas or even left our community, and I think they're coming back little by little. So, yeah, I think it's going to hopefully correct. I just don't know if it's going to correct as fast as we had hoped it would. It may still be an issue this summer, it looks like. Definitely. Now, what's the second pillar of your pillars? So it's the downtown. So the downtown uh, was a big uh, focus of many of the plans that you saw that we reviewed. Uh, we also had surveys. So we did uh, resident and visitor surveys. The surveys all pointed towards that being the second pillar. And then we also did a stakeholder interviews. So we, again, a really robust process. And yeah, the downtown was a, a big focus. Now, you know as well as I do that downtown Cheyenne, there's been an issue with empty buildings and people feel there's a problem there. Is there any progress there? Um, so I guess I'm a little late to the game uh, since obviously we just merged with the DDA in uh, July or July 1st. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it all, everything has to equate. I mean, the business has to make sense what they charge from a lease rate. Right. We have various business owners. Some of the businesses own their buildings, you know, like the Eclectic Elephant, they own their facility. So it makes it a little easier for them to be uh, for them to be successful. But yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I think it's just being able to come up with matching folks to the buildings and the leases and, and making sure it works out for the, the uh, you know, whatever the merchant is trying to do with their business. But ultimately, we have some amazingly unique places to visit, and I'm really excited about Cheyenne Frontier Days. We're having a big uh, sale on Cheyenne Day itself. Um, and we're gonna have some events. Some of the streets will be closed down, um, and there's some specials going on. So I think even locals will have some excitement with go what's going on Cheyenne Day this this month. If you know, is CFD running those buses to downtown again like they did in the last few years? So the interesting thing is actually that was the Downtown Development Authority running oh, okay. the buses, and uh, um, it was hard to get going because the some of the taxi services and stuff don't run now. So we were able since Visit Cheyenne runs the trolley. Well, we were able to hire a driver and there will be the cowboy triangle with the trolley because we definitely want to make sure we get folks all around, whether it's the parking area or a CFD down here to mm -hmm. experience what we have going on in the downtown Cheyenne. I know Kat, you were mentioning new businesses. Capital Cuisine just opened up the street. I've been meaning to check that out. I've heard good things about them. Yeah, it's it's uh, some pretty amazing food stopped in there. I think we're at, right when they changed ownership and it's been really fantastic. Now, what's the third pillar? 
So the third pillar is outdoor recreation, and it includes events. And, and that one, again, what was prioritized by everyone. I think we have a couple places that might be overloved. Obviously, Kerr Gowdy State Park is an amazing asset. Vitavu. Vitavu, which is technically in Albany County, but we claim it. It's right there on the... <laughs> so Sorry, I didn't no, know No, no, no. And we do it anyway because, yes, it's right there on the border, so we do steal it a little bit from Albany County every once in a while. I mean, it's good for them. Uh, we are trying to work with uh, the city on Belvoir Ranch and trying mm-hmm. to get that open fairly quickly. We're excited where that's going to go. And that was actually part of the, our tourism master plan. And then there are People don't realize, but there's some amazing recreation in Pine Bluffs. So there's some. Oh, really? Tell me. I, I don't know about it. Tell me about it. Yeah. So they have um, up on the bluff itself, the recreation department built trails. So there's some like really cool mountain bike and hiking trails that take you like in this place that you would never think you could experience in that area. Um, yeah. So we, we send folks there. They used to have actually a mountain bike race probably like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. They used to do some mountain bike races. So we're trying to bring that back into the fold. Well, it's nice to get people out of Cheyenne a little bit, too. There are other attractions around the county that a lot, you know, a lot of people don't know about them. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, as part of our first pillar, we're actually doing some ag tourism, which gets them on the east end of our, our county. So we're doing some stuff where it's uh, you can literally uh, milk a goat, and uh, it's a homesteading experience out in Carpenter. Uh, we're working with Pine Bluffs Distilling. They're actually doing like a... a glass to, or farm to glass experience. We're also trying to get some crazy combine things. We have to work out the insurance because driving a combine, we got to make sure everyone's safe. All oh, right, <laughs> yeah. right. And then even in uh, Albin, we're doing some pretty cool stuff with some uh, ranches out there to, to really just get folks a unique experience. It's actually shocking what tourists will pay for uh, picking the rye out of the wheat, which is usually a chore for, for ranch kids. Uh, people will actually pay to do that just so they get that farm for a day experience. Well, for a lot of urban people, and I mean, even people from Denver, it's it's something brand new to them. They, they haven't experienced it like many of our folks have. Definitely. And we're excited. So I, I think a lot of the bus tours coming in have asked for that. And we're working with our, our ranchers and our, our farmers to be able to give them that experience. By the way, I mentioned Denver. Where do we get most of our visitation from or do we know? Yeah, so we do track that uh, heavily from uh, the Front Range. So the whole Denver Metro, shockingly some from Colorado Springs, so they come a little further. Um, Salt Lake City uh, sends a lot of folks. Interesting enough, Salt Lake, we're trying to convert to overnights. For some reason, they come and they come to the downtown and then they leave. So we, we have to, we're trying to get to convert them to stay a little bit longer. It's a long day trip down yeah. and back. Yeah, well, no, it seems like they tr- stop and like are traveling through when oh, we're not I sure see. what they're doing. I see, yeah. I see. Um, and then Omaha, we have some folks. And then shockingly, we also have people like in uh, the Rapid City and those areas that come through. So kind of fun. So what's the uh, third pillar? So the third is outdoor recreation. Oh, I'm sorry. So the fourth one, I, I'm going to have to, for the life of me, I should remember. Again, I, I, I have no we'll idea. Just skip over that yeah, we'll, we'll, for now. Let's skip over the fourth one. It's probably super important. I'll be like, oh, man, it's the most important pillar. But I, for the life of me, I can't remember. No, you mentioned five and six have been combined. Yes. Tell us about that. So they're basically uh, internal focused and you know, a little bit of advocacy. Um, it was thinking about how the organizations work together, how we work with the city and the county, basically to, again, implement the plan. It's thinking about education. So it's a lot of things where, you know, residents, when they did the survey, sometimes they don't understand what hospitality is or they may not understand, you know, how important the lodging tax is because really the lodging tax is like 95% of it is outside of the state and only about 5 to 10% is in-state taxes but none of it is from Laramie County. So it's right. making sure to get that education out that folks are basically 
paying for stuff in the city and in the community that they don't really don't have to pay for, which is kind of a nice feature. Well, so on top of that, you've got the sales taxes uh, yep. and, and then, you know, whatever they buy. But Exactly. So bringing in travelers from, from outside of our, our county is just great business. I mean, it's something that's basically we call it kind of like transient business. They're coming here, leaving their money and leaving so that's how we like it yeah. <laughs> many people do yeah exactly I don't mean that you do. Way, no 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 and it is good. i mean ultimately that that is a good business model oh, absolutely. It means, you know they have less impact on our infrastructure but they're really leaving some money behind for us to thrive so. what's the typical if you know demographic profile visitors is it is it a family with two kids is it older retired folks do we know actually it's a little bit of everything so we have um especially during the pandemic it was interesting there's a lot of families um a lot of the the kind of baby boomer age group um, but we have it runs the gambit of almost everything i mean we've seen millennials come through you know gen z's coming into their own to want to really kind of see unique things uh, i might think the outdoor recreation might might appeal to them in particular am i right yeah and then shockingly it's also our history i mean they they see a lot of stuff on on you know tv like the hell on wheels you know a movie that came out that was this movies a series movie and yeah they just want to see our history you know the women's suffrage they come in and there's so many people that take photos with the bronze statue and then right. go check out the mural yeah, I think a lot of it's our unique history too. Dominic, uh, how did this all come about? What was involved with it? How much work did it involve? How did it happen? So we actually turned it around in six months. And, and again, we're really fortunate. Rudloff Solutions, uh, my predecessor has a consulting business. So he was the lead. Darren, I knew Darren for years. Yeah. So uh, Darren was the lead on that. Really gave us a, a screaming deal. Um, and then we worked with the University of Wyoming's Outdoor Rec and Tourism degree capstone project. So their mm -hmm. senior year, they do a capstone project. So we got basically two senior students for the semester. And they're the ones that help kind of do that literature review on all those documents. They helped come and do a lot of the stakeholder interviews. And it was nice to get their perspective in their age group to say, hey, maybe you guys should try this or have you looked at that? Um, and then again, the steer we had a steering committee of just these amazing group of, of diverse folks that came through and said, hey, here's what we're going to help you with to guide the program. And then again, like I said, all the surveys and um, yeah, we just had a robust process in six months, turned it around and we're really proud of the document. I think it'll be a good document for us going forward. Dominic, do you think people underestimate the impact of tourism on our economy? Maybe not here in Cheyenne so much because we have CFD such a big deal. I don't know. My perception statewide has always been they don't understand what a big portion. It's second in the state behind minerals. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's stuff that they don't understand. I, I'm not sure they don't understand how interconnected it is with so many things. Again, talking about, like you mentioned, I mean, it brings in sales tax and other taxes uh -huh. that aren't peep the people here that then help pay for it, you know, firefighters and roads and other stuff that wouldn't normally get paid for. And of course, being able to advertise our state is huge. Getting people here is that nice circular loop. Um, but yeah, our, when we did the survey, it was interesting. They actually said they would like to see more tourism um, here in our county, which we really appreciate. But I think I would agree with you in some pockets of the state, they may not realize, you know, having those folks from Colorado coming and dropping off their money and then going back home is a benefit. Well, I'll give you an example. I lived for years in Sweetwater County and the wild horses are largely looked upon as a pest by people who live there. But the minute the tourists showed up, the first thing they wanted to see is where are the wild horses? Sometimes what you view as maybe not an asset can be an asset. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where folks just have to have an open mind. Again, we were, I think the farmers were shocked when we said, hey, could we put up a program where they pick the rye out of your wheat? <laughs> like I said, the, the farm kids were like, yes, please. <laughs> we'll even help them show them where they can do it. So, yeah. So I, I think, 
yeah, I think folks don't realize what could be a, a tourism asset. How does tourism look this summer? You mentioned we're off to a good start. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We're, I, I can almost guarantee we'll be record-breaking. Yeah, are gas prices a concern? Oh, man. <laughs> it's rough to fill up these days. But it I, is. But, again, that, that pent-up need to get out and, and explore. And, and we've done a really good job of marketing our community. I think we'll see a lot of folks coming to see us. I don't think that'll be an issue at all. Well, and the surprising thing, if you sit down and do the math... It's not that much money. It's more of a psychological thing every time you go to fill your tank. Oh, no, I'm spending so much money. But you sit and do the math on a trip from even, say, Texas. The increase in gas cost, what it adds to the cost of your trip is not that much. True. That's about 10 bucks a tank, maybe, I would guess. So, yeah. you're, you know, maybe, I don't know, 50 bucks each way, yeah, maybe, that, that'd be something a, yeah, like that. I, I could see that. Which, that's a little bit, but it's, it's not going to break anybody, by and large. So... You mentioned people visiting. I've had conversations with Dale Steenbergen, and I think this is something people don't think about. He looks at tourism as a recruitment tool because people come here, and if they like the community and we, we put on a good, um, a good image, they'll think about relocating here. Yeah, that's really the big cycle of, and that's why I visit Cheyenne as one of the economic partners, is you figure if you make a place that folks want to live, then people probably want to visit, and if they enjoy their visit, they're probably going to want to work here and if they want to work here it's that cycle they'll probably end up wanting to live here and, mm -hmm. and then people want to visit it's just that endless cycle of you know doing that and so it is a huge recruitment tool usually ceos and other folks when they're you know bring their family out we had a rv company ceo came out with his family and that's exactly what i'd love to you know work and live here and then that's where the conversations start that they just realize what an amazing community we have and they love to have their family here and then all of a sudden they want to relocate or start a new business here and that's that's exciting just a couple of minutes left i did want to chat with you about the merger of the dda and visit cheyenne what, what's that mean going forward so it's an interesting opportunity. I mean, obviously there are um, some interesting aspects to it. Uh, we're very much overlap when it comes to events and programming and promotion and marketing. Uh, the one thing Visit Cheyenne isn't really into is development, and obviously that's a strong piece uh -huh. of what the downtown development is. But I think there's a lot of guiding uh, projects that are in place. There's the capital improvement grants that the DDA works on. Um, but I think, if anything, it's just going to be a stronger um, better way for us to serve all of our customers. I don't think either the downtown merchants or building owners will see a difference. If anything, they'll see enhancements. And the same with our, you know, folks that pay into the lodging tax and the rest of the county. I think, if anything, they'll just see bigger and better things from a, a stronger agency. Will the DDA still have its own director or not? So, no, I'm the acting uh, director for the DDA uh, for now. Uh, we do have uh, Haley Chenchar, who uh, is VP similar to Jim over, uh, who's the VP of Visit Cheyenne. Uh, and sometimes I just say I'm the pretty face. But uh, <laughs> so, so those two will really do some of the day-to-day -day pieces, but I really try to be the, the voice box and the you know, vision person who gets us moving in the, in the big picture direction. guy, big picture guy. So Dominic, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners this morning? No, I just thank you for having me. I mean, getting this information out to everybody is important. And if they need to get a hold of me, they can track me down on my email, which is Dominic D O M E N I C at Cheyenne.org. And love to talk to them if they have any questions. You also have a website, I believe. Yes. Uh, Cheyenne.org is our, is our website. And yeah, please visit it and all the events you can ever imagine. Like I said, if you can't find something to do, you're probably not looking. Okay, I'd like to thank my guest on this segment of Weekend in Wyoming. I've been speaking with Dominic Bravo, CEO of Visit Cheyenne. 
AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, coming up on a bottom of the hour news and information break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk garlic with the master gardener, uh, Mike Heath, and that's coming up just ahead. Uh, you can grow your own garlic here in Wyoming, and uh, the opportunities uh, actually it presents, according to what he told me, uh, you can taste some different, uh, different sort of... Uh, of garlics than you can find in the store, the typical store garlic. California White, he says, it's very mild tasting, but there's a lot of other garlics you can grow right here. I guess actually, in fact, pretty good climate for growing garlic. So if that's of interest of you, Mike is uh, j- of interest to you, that is. Mike is just ahead right here on AM650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Checking uh, news headlines from our website at KGAB.com. An investigation is underway after two people were found with uh, bullet wounds following a structure fire northwest of Cheyenne late Friday. Uh, Sheriff's spokesman Deputy Jason Gillant said the victims are in the care of the coroner's office and notifications have been made. And uh, we'll be updating uh, details on that story as they become available. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. Coming up on the bottom of the hour news and information break. Beautiful day outside. If you get a chance to get out there and enjoy it, uh, good day to do it. Of course, Cheyenne Frontier Day is sort of unofficially uh, getting underway uh, tomorrow with the uh, annual CFD cattle drive. That's not the official kickoff, but it's often considered the unofficial kickoff for Cheyenne Frontier Days. The uh, the rough stock, I believe uh, they said when I had those guests on earlier today, gets underway Wednesday. The official kickoff for Cheyenne Frontier Days 2021 will be next Friday, July 23rd. Good to see CFD back. After a hiatus last year, life slowly sort of getting back to normal, more or less, as we recover from the COVID pandemic. Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AM 650, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. It's 1231, back with Mike Heath next, right here. Since 1975, Inlamax's focus is simple. To provide you with exciting and revolutionary sleep technology that gives you an exceptional sleep experience. Anyone who has suffered from a lack of sleep knows all too well how it can affect your performance the next day. Inlamax works hard to provide you with sleep surfaces and advanced designs to sleep at your best each night and help you stay vibrant. Visit Inlamax in Loveland at the outlets or in central Denver at I-70 and I-25 online or even by phone for better sleep solutions. Inlamax is a Colorado company creating sleep surfaces utilizing air, liquid, gel, base aids, memory cells, flex pod, natural latex, and intercoil support that offers true and adjustable comfort for great nights of sleep. Visit with any Inamax sleep consultant today to embrace the possibilities of a better sleep experience, which is, after all, why you're thinking about a brand new bed. Visit my right at your door. Buy local Wyoming roasted coffee at snowyelk.com. This weather update brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. Your Saturday forecast will feature sunshine with a few clouds this afternoon. Slight chance for afternoon and early evening thunder. Highs upper 80s, low 90s with lows tonight, middle and upper 50s. Most areas dry for Sunday. Temps again upper 80s, low 90s. Any showers or storms should be confined to the foothills and mountain areas. Then dry Monday and Tuesday. Highs again in the lower 90s. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Don Watzel. 
And good afternoon. Welcome once again to uh, Weekend in Wyoming. On this segment, I have our Master Gardener, Mike Heath, part two of our segment. We started last week on garlic. Uh, how you doing this afternoon, Mike? Doug, I am doing magnificent. It's beautiful out here. Well, uh, your, your wife dropped by some garlic scapes. I haven't had a chance to try them out yet, uh, but I understand that they're, they're, they're very versatile. Is that right? They are. Um, in fact, she made another pizza, a different kind of pizza with them the other night. And that was wonderful. We've done uh, dips and uh, cracker spreads. And she's put them in hamburgers, soups. Uh, I use it for a salad topping uh, on eggs. They're good for just about everything. Now, my understanding is they're a little milder than just regular garlic. Is that right? They are. In fact, it's actually a different flavor. Um, as you process them, they're pretty strong. But once they're processed and you start cooking with them, they're very mild, very delicate. Uh, not quite a garlic flavor. Uh, it's a flavor all unto itself. Now, it's go, go ahead. delicious. When we're talking about the scape, that's obviously not the garlic bulb. What part of the plant does it come from? That's the flower and the flower stalk. Okay. And that's only and there for a little while. There's one for every plant, and you've got to get it out. Otherwise, it detracts from the bulb growth. Oh, why, why don't we see these in stores more often, or at least I haven't? Well, <laughs> good question. I am just discovering these, actually. I've, I've had them for several years. Uh, I've grown garlic for a while, and I've just been throwing them away. And then I realized, hey, these things are edible, and not only are they edible, they're wonderful. So uh, that's why I'm trying to get people to start growing garlic, along with a lot of other issues. Uh, reasons as well but uh, these are just good for you now you and your wife do have a business where people can buy these if they'd like to try them out is that right well we can but they're only um available about one week out of the year okay and that is usually the last week in june okay so the, uh, or, i do have some that i've dehydrated um i grew a lot of garlic this year um about three thousand plants and uh, so I had quite a few skates. I've got the hydrated skates, but the fresh, uh, really you're good for about a week out of the year. That's it. So when you use the hydrated skates, do you cook them? Do you just throw them on a salad, or what do you do? Uh, there again, it's versatile. Anything you can do fresh, you can do dehydrated. It just doesn't take quite as much. Uh, like I say, I sprinkle them on eggs every morning. Um, uh, salad sprinkles, we sprinkle it on pizza, make cheese dips, uh, all kinds of stuff out of them. Now, Mike, I, I realize you're not a doctor or a biochemist, but do these have some of the health benefits that garlic does? They do, and that's uh, part of what I want to talk about. It's a perfect segue. Um, garlic is uh, just a wonderful plant for health benefits. Um, one of the major ones is heart health. Mm -hmm. And it does that. And the states have the same properties, but uh, it lowers the blood pressure. And uh, some studies have even shown that it works just as well as synthetic drugs. And, of course, you and I like to cook, so we don't have to take them in pills. Why don't you just use garlic in your cooking and go that way with it? It tastes better. Now, the, the bulb is also a natural antibiotic. Do the, uh, do the scapes have that property as well? They do, just not to the same degree. Okay. Um, I say it all has the same properties. Uh, such as lowering bad cholesterol, uh, slowing cancer growth, cancer cell growth, 
uh, just a whole slew of things that makes it good for people to grow their own garlic and, and use it. Now, Mike, we were chatting uh, last week about growing garlic, and we, we sort of got off topic a little bit. So why don't you run us through that again? Okay, we were just getting started on how to grow garlic. And uh, the first thing people need to understand is garlic, kind of like winter wheat around here, you plant it in the fall. Um, a little bit later than wheat, though, usually right around the uh, last week of October, first week of November, assuming the ground's not already frozen. And uh, when you get it planted, and we'll go through this in just a second, but you'll make sure you mulch it real good, and then just leave it alone until next spring. And, and it'll put down roots over the winter, and it'll start to sprout about uh, March. But when you go to plant garlic, the first thing you need to do is just uh, make your beds, uh, wherever you want to put it, and get a lot of organic matter. Um, you know, bagged garden soil will work. Um, peat moss is real good uh, a good compost and not bagged compost but a real good compost preferably that you've made yourself that does not have any manure in it um, and just till that into the soil so that it's good and light you don't want a lot of sand but a lot of organic matter in that soil and that builds up the soil and helps the microbes and everything and it's better for your bulbs and the time to be doing that is right now and then let it sit through the summer until you're ready to plant. Now, when you plant your garlic, um, break the bulbs apart into cloves and just plant the big cloves. Because you'll have very large cloves in a bulb and you'll have some real tiny ones. The tiny ones will produce very small bulbs. So go ahead and plant the big ones so you get good bulbs. And um, soak them in a fish emulsion mix overnight before you plant them uh, for about 12 hours or so. That gives them a good start on their nutrients. And just make sure that you plant the root side down about two inches uh, below the surface of the soil. And then uh, cover them with mulch, water them in good, and leave them alone until uh, uh, March, and then watch them start coming up. And they grow very well and very fast. The plants will grow about three feet tall. And like I say, about the end of June, You'll see the scapes, these little shoots coming out of the center of the plant. They kind of twirl around a couple of times like a pig's tail. And you want to pull those off. If you can pull them out of the plant very gently, then you'll get a real tender stalk at the bottom of it. And that's probably the tastiest part of the whole scape. Okay. If you wait too long, it gets fibrous, and you got to just snap them off. Otherwise, you pull the bulb out, and the bulb won't be ready until about the end of July, maybe even the 1st of August. So you got to be careful when you pick those things. Mike, a couple of questions here. First of all, why is, why is manure bad in compost? Uh, manure is bad because it has a lot of salt in it. Mm. And, you know, you won't notice it the first year usually. Um, second year, third year, if you keep adding manure compost, the salt just builds up. Now, I've got a caveat that. Because if you let that manure compost for two, three, four years, those salts will leach out. Okay. And then it's okay. But normally, um, it, particularly if you're buying bagged compost, they don't let it leach that long. And their purpose is to turn this stuff around and, and sell it. And people don't stop to think if they have problems in their garden, 
it might be the bagged compost that they bought. But even then, I bought local compost here some four years ago now. And after the guy dumped it, and I had 14 tons of it, he dumped it in my garden. He says, oh, by the way, this isn't fully composted. And it totally killed about 2,000 square feet of garden. I bet you weren't a happy camper. Oh, even weeds wouldn't grow. It was so bad. Oh, wow. Uh, this is the fourth year, and I'm finally getting something growing in it again. Uh, a lot of weeds. <laughs> but uh, I did plant a cover crop in it. So uh, I know it's good enough now. I can start planting again next year. Now, the other question I had in, in uh, regard to the, the uh, bit you just talked about with uh, with uh, garlic. Now, you mentioned it starts coming up in March. Now, we all know that this being Wyoming, winter's not necessarily in March, or it doesn't necessarily end in March, rather. If, if the garlic comes up and we have a winter storm, are, are you out of luck, or what happens? It weathers through it, just like winter wheat does. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I didn't know oh, that. yeah. Well, just think of this year. Um, I actually planted a little bit early last year, and the weather didn't turn off cold as fast as it normally does. So mine started sprouting uh, about the 1st of December last year. And it weathered through this entire winter. We had some pretty rot rotten days. And then, of course, that snowstorm in March that uh, laid on the ground for I don't know how many weeks. And then several snowstorms after that and didn't even phase it. Well, I didn't know that. Now, Mike, something else we chatted about last week that I think maybe not everybody's necessarily aware of is the fact that uh, you can grow a lot of other garlics other than the the garlic that you typically buy in the grocery store. Is that right? Well, and you have to because what you buy in the grocery store is California white, and it won't grow here. Oh, okay. So that's uh, not even an option. you to buy your garlic, uh, you can't just go to the grocery store and buy a bubble garlic and plant it and hope it grows. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to go to a nursery. And there's a lot of nurseries out there, and to list them would just be too many. But go to a reputable nursery, and they've all got a wide variety of garlic, uh, usually four, five, six varieties. Um, and then if you go to a garlic nursery that specializes only in garlic, uh, gosh, they'll have 100-plus varieties. Uh, the one that I'm growing this year is uh, a Jagansky, and it's from Uzbekistan. Oh, wow. And it's a, uh, a purple and white striped garlic. And it has a real sharp, hot flavor when you first bite into the clove. And then it backs off almost immediately to a, a mild, nutty flavor. And I just try to offer people, you know, things that are different. Uh, rather than just going to the store and buying this bland stuff. That, right. And California white is pretty bland. It takes a lot of it. To, uh, to get a lot of flavor out of it. But when you start getting into the uh, gourmet garlics, it doesn't take near as much. Well, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not a meteorologist, but if I'm not mistaken, I think the climate in Uzbekistan is somewhat similar to Wyoming, kind of a dry, high elevation climate, I believe. So maybe that's one reason why that garlic would do well here. Well, it does. And uh, pretty much any of your porcelain garlics, and I know a lot of folks don't know what I'm talking about, um, but there are different types of garlics in your porcelains that pretty much all do well here. And uh, quite a few of the soft necks will. And the soft necks, uh, frankly, are also the ones that store the best. So if you're growing garlic and you uh, grow a soft neck garlic, it, you can store it nine to ten months before it starts going bad. 
How about the porcelain garlics? How long do they keep? Um, anywhere from 9 to 12. Oh, so they last a long time then. Oh, they do. Well, they're, they're one of the hard necks. Okay. Or soft necks, excuse me. Um, they're just a different uh, a category within the soft neck. Uh, you've got primarily a soft neck and a hard neck garlic. And the uh, soft necks have a uh, uh, usually a larger, longer stem. Um, and the hard necks are uh, smaller and stemmier, or harder stem. Mike, how challenging is garlic to grow? Does it take a lot of care? Do you just throw it in the ground and let it go, or what? Well, make sure that you put the root in down. Otherwise, it's going to grow upside down, and that's not going to grow too well. Okay. And other than that, if you mulch it, three to four inches of, uh, of mulch, um, and water it periodically, and I water mine about every third day. And uh, it grows great, and it's easy. Uh, it is a heavy feeder, so I do fertilize two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't use miracle groves; it's not suited for that. Too salty. But uh, alfalfa pellets sprinkled in there with them works well. A good fish emulsion works. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things you can fertilize with that's not a bagged fertilizer. Mike, you're not a fan of miracle Grow anyway, am I right or am I wrong? Well, miracle Grow has two issues. Okay. Uh, one has a lot of salt in it. And then if you read the label, and I mean all of the label, and if you have any knowledge at all of chemistry, you can pick out all the salts that are there. And it just because what they'll do is they'll write down the uh, chemical formula for it, not the name of it. And unless you know what the uh, different chemical symbols are, you're not going to pick up that it's a salt. But there's a lot of salt in miracle Grow, And then uh, a lot of the vegetable products. Now, flowers is not near as bad. When you get into the vegetables, they use a lot of nitrogen. And nitrogen is wonderful as long as you only want something that's leafy. Right. But if it's going to produce a fruit, it won't produce fruit right. Oh, You'll really? Get some but not near the capacity of what that plant should produce. So what fertilizers do you recommend? Well, actually, I make my own. Oh, okay. How, how, do, you make, how do you make it? That, would, that could actually be a segment all to itself. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I use a lot of alfalfa pellets, uh, molasses, and uh, fish emulsion mixes. Um, and I apply mine through fertilizer injectors as well that I also built. Uh, so I don't have to stand there and water it in or spread it or anything. I just pour it in a bucket, turn the water on, and it fertilizes itself. Now, Mike, it seems like we've had a pretty hot summer here by our standards. Does that impact how the, how the garlic will taste that you raise? Not at all. Not at all? Not at all. Garlic is, is so hardy when you get the right variety. Uh, heat doesn't affect it. Uh, cold doesn't affect it. Uh, the rain we've had has actually been great for it. Um, it's just a very hardy plant. How many how many bulbs do you plant typically to, to get a good yield for one person, let's say? Oh, my gosh. I guess it really depends on how much uh, garlic you eat. Because, I mean, everybody knows about what size a bulb of garlic is and about uh, how much they would use. Mm -hmm. And let's see, to dehydrate it, if you're going to dehydrate it, which I doubt too many people would, um, you're probably looking... For a regular spice jar size, a small spice jar, probably four to five bulbs in that jar. 
how, how do you dehydrate it? Do you get a fruit dehydrator or what? Um, I have done it with that. You actually want to uh, dry it out uh, to begin with. And I do mine because I've got a time temperature dehydrator. And I run it for about six hours on 150 degrees. And that works pretty well? On the cloves. Okay. And then you can peel it, and it feels a lot easier that way. Okay. And the dehy dehydrated would keep for a long time, right? Oh, good gosh, forever. Forever? Yeah, but you want to you grind it up real good in the food processor and then uh, dehydrate it further until it's to the uh, moisture content that you need. And I, I can't tell you how to do it because every dehydrator is different. Right. Um, so how long you do it for, it's just so you have to work out uh, on your own dehydrator. But then just crush it down into, a, and I use a granule, not a powder. Right. You get better flavor in a granule. Um, just put it in a jar and put it on the shelf. Now, Mike, when I when I buy dehydrated garlic in the store, granule or powder, it seems like it, it really, it, it's kind of bland. Is that because it's a California white or is that a... It, it, yeah, it's the California white. Uh, that's where most of the garlic here in the States is grown, uh, most of the store-bought garlic. And, and it is. It takes a lot of that to do anything for you. And that's why I'm such a fan of these uh, gourmet garlics. Where I was going with that, though, is with the gourmet garlics, do they still have uh, a bland flavor? Of what, what I'm really asking is, does dehydrating take out the flavor? Uh, not very much. Not very much. Okay. Not much. Um, last year, I did Italian late, and which is an Italian garlic, of course. And... The people that bought that, and I ran out real fast, uh, like with about two weeks of it, uh -huh. um, just raved over how good it was. Um, I wasn't terribly impressed with the yield, which is why I went with something else this year. Um, I only had maybe a 75% yield of uh, good, large, usable bulbs. Now, I'm getting the distinct impression through our conversation that people who buy garlic in the store aren't really tasting what garlic should taste like. Is that, is that fair? Well, they don't know what it would taste like because the California white's all they've ever known. Mm -hmm. And, and when I say that's a good garlic, if you just want a little bit of garlic flavor, right. you still have the health benefits. Right. But it's, uh, it's really a very mild, bland garlic. And it's intended to cater to the bulk of uh, society. You know, it's just like in a restaurant, uh, you don't get a lot of spices in your food because some people may not like it. Right. So, so in Mexico, for example, where they have spicier food, maybe they would have spicier garlic, too. Uh, it, again, it would depend on what they're growing. Mm -hmm. um, the California white will grow in any of the warm climates. And these others, uh, the gourmets that I grow, will also grow in the warm climates, but they'll do well in the north as well. Mike, do you ever foresee garlic being a cash crop in Wyoming? Um, it could be, but I don't know if people want to get away from wheat. You know, wheat is uh, pretty much tried and true, sunflowers, uh, things like that. So I don't know if people actually will. Because I think when you get comfortable with something, you stick with it. Well, and wheat, wheat's a pretty safe crop, I would think. I'm not a farmer, but it's pretty consistently uh, going to be a demand for it, I would think. Exactly. Well, it's the largest crop grown in the world. Okay, more than corn? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's been grown longer than corn. 
Well, I know there, there's wheat back in the Old Testament and the Bible going way back, so I know it's been right. Well, they found wheat in the tombs of the pharaohs, early right. pharaohs. It's still viable, by the way. So you could still take those seeds and grow wheat? Yep, and they have, and I actually have some in the freezer right now. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Does it taste any different than modern wheat? Um, they're in a different flavor, and, and I don't know how to explain it as being different. Uh, we actually have different wheats and different ways of processing because it changes flavor now. Um, but it's not significant and it's still good. Wow. It's good. I know I like to buy Anasazi beans in the store, which uh, they're, they're uh, I don't know if you ever cooked with them, but they're very sweet and they, mm -hmm. don't they don't take as long to soak. My understanding is they found those in a cave someplace in New Mexico. Uh, some Native American tribe way back used them. And, and again, I think they've been dormant for some time. Yeah. And, you know, people don't realize you dry foods out like that, and it, it took you to stay in a dry climate. It lasts almost forever. Right. So, Mike, uh, in, re in regard to garlic, is there anything you'd like people to know about growing garlic or garlic scapes that we haven't discussed? Well, we pretty much covered it all. Um, if anyone wants to get into it, wants more information, again, I'll put my phone number out there. They're welcome to call me. Uh, that's actually part of what Master Gardeners do is we help people with things like this. You want to grow garlic? And my phone number, and I'll repeat it twice so you can write it down, is 307-640-2445. And once again, that's 307-640-2445. And I'll be happy to answer anybody's questions on garlic or anything else that they have a question on. Uh, I'm not the overall expert, but I can at least point you to the experts. Mike, as long as I have you on the phone here and we have a couple minutes left, are there any Master Gardener events coming up? Um, well, the Bear Root Sale, we're just getting started. Keyofcheyenne.com, and we'll make it easy. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. And good afternoon. Welcome once again to, uh, and that'll be a wrap for a Saturday here, AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Thank you for joining us once again for Weekend in Wyoming. We did have a lot of callers who wanted to get in on the Jillian Balo segment, so maybe we'll do a follow-up on that one. Uh, here somewhere down the road. In the meantime, uh, we'll do it again next week. That is the program from 11 to 1 right here on AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650 KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our communities secure. 
composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life. And in every corner of America, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. The Army National Guard reacts to domestic operations in each of America's 54 states and territories, including Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and the District of Columbia. Each state National Guard's unique domestic role is to act as the first line of defense in support of civil authorities in their state. The Guard's emergency responses include search and rescue missions for floods, combating wildfires, hurricane or tornado recovery, and the presidential inauguration. The Army National Guard. We are always ready. We are always there. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wyoming Army National Guard. Aired by the Wyoming Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Joe. I expected to be a lot easier. I didn't know what. To stop on new approvals for an Obama-era immigration program. DACA, you may remember, was created by President Obama through an executive order. The program allows some undocumented immigrants to be protected from deportation. But President Biden is already promising to keep fighting for DACA survival. The president says the Justice Department is likely to appeal this decision, and he goes on to say yesterday's federal court ruling is deeply disappointing. While the court's order does not affect current DACA recipients, this decision nonetheless relegates hundreds of thousands of young immigrants to an uncertain future. Fox's Mark Meredith. Another heat wave in the West with dry, windy conditions is helping spread a massive wildfire in Southern Oregon. The bootleg fire has destroyed at least 67 homes, more than 100 outbuildings, while it grows by miles each day. Meanwhile, an entirely different weather scenario in the Northeast. Some flood watches and warnings because it's just been so soggy the last couple of days. Maybe another couple of inches, and that's enough to cause perhaps some flooding. Rainfall totals widespread spread maybe only half an inch, and it doesn't take a whole lot of rain in some of these cities. Fox meteorologist Adam Klotz. COVID-19 cases again rising in all 50 states. Health officials say it's mostly the result of the Delta strain among the unvaccinated. L.A. County is returning to an indoor mask mandate, while other California counties consider doing so. The University of Washington's Dr. Ali Makdad talked about the rising cases. We have a rise in hospitalization in the United States, uh, and we have a rise in mortality. So we have to do something to contain this virus and wearing a mask will prevent us from shutting down our economy. I mean, this is the best thing we have at hand. Dr. McNad on Fox's Cavuto Live. America is listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. What are the most important issues facing Americans today? Every Monday, join me, Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor and Anchor and Executive Editor of Special Report, and my rotating all-star panel of experts as we discuss the policies, practices and solutions to the biggest and most important issues of the day. You can hear new episodes every Monday. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Fox News Rundown is a weekday morning podcast that dives deep into the major and controversial stories of the day. Hosted by the anchors of Fox News Radio. Subscribe now to hear a perspective of news you won't find anywhere else. Listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Beijing is refusing to participate in a World Health Organization investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Fox's Jackie Heinrich has more from the White House. Amid ongoing tensions between the U.S. and China over the origins of COVID-19, economic spying and humanitarian abuses, President Biden met virtually with the Asia-Pacific Economic Council about vaccine sharing and economic recovery. Chinese President Xi Jinping skipped the summit, delivering a video message instead. Later, another snub from the Chinese Foreign Ministry. No promise to cooperate in the World Health Organization's pandemic origins probe, while doubling down on an alternative theory, writing, we need to continue to search for possible early cases globally and further understand the role of cold chains and frozen foods in the transmission of the virus. An intelligence review of the origin of COVID-19 is due at the White House later in August. An actor who appeared in the TV show Law and Order is facing murder charges in New York City. Police say 41-year-old Isaiah Stokes ambushed 37-year-old Tyrone Jones, who was sitting in a car. Police have not said why. The Toronto Blue Jays finally heading home after a season and a half stateside. The Canadian government giving the Toronto Blue Jays the green light Friday to return home to Rogers Centre, starting with their game July 30th against the Kansas City Royals. The club given exemption to travel across the U.S. border for road trips with strict COVID protocols and restrictions still in place. Immigration Minister Marco Mendicino said the decision was made in conjunction with the Public Health Agency of Canada and the U.S. government. We've shared an approach with the United States that by and large has helped us manage the risks of the pandemic on both sides. Mendicino with CBC News, the Blue Jays were forced to relocate to the U.S. for last season because of COVID restrictions. Playing at Salem Field in Buffalo, New York, that's where they're currently playing their home games, moving there after starting the year at their spring training home in Dunedin, Florida. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. And I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top.